Dean, in any venture like this, communication is is key. Um, sure. So you can imagine my um, amazement when 10 minutes before the show starts, you send me like 20 pictures and you're like, hey, can we add these to the show sheet? That was my fault. Oh, I spent the better part of the day rearranging all my shelves and stuff. I know you weren't online. At, usually, the day of, we have lots of last minute, you know, I's and T's. And uh, you were a busy boy. I think you yeah. said you may have had another casualty, though, to the sweet boy Kevin. What happened? Yeah, I just like can't find one of my figures. Like, <laughs> it's just gone. Like, without a trace. Uh, it was uh, one of my little Miku things that she like sits on the edge of the the table. But I now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember the last time I saw it. But yeah. it's I was literally on all fours, crawling around <laughs> under my desk, moving boxes. You know, because I get a lot of stuff in the mail, so I usually just keep boxes here. Uh, I even flipped my couch over upside down. It's not, like I don't know where it is. It's just gone. Are you an angel? What? An angel. I heard the deep space pilots talk about them. They're the most beautiful creatures in the universe. Hello there. We are tonight's entertainment. We would be honored if you would join us. He's got a billion toys. You brought in these doll collection. These are not dolls, Jim. These are commodities. Same as gold or oil. Five, four, three, two, one. You are now listening to the Collecting Weekly Podcast. Joey Lockett here, Tillery Power. Hey guys, my name is Zach. I'm Dean. I'm Dini. Welcome to this week's episode of Collecting Weekly. It's a weekly podcast where my friends and I talk about the things that matter the most to us this week in collecting. Yeah, yeah. Dean, we would like to extend a big thank you to our sponsor, Wado Scrapyard, for re-upping his sponsorship and continuing the support of our podcast. Nice. Great guy. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But before we get into that, Dean, we have a very Wait, what? Is that a new logo? It's nice. Yeah, he had a, a graphic artist uh, commission this logo. Uh, and in the chat, we have Mario Cortez. So hey, welcome, up, man? Mario. Uh, but Dean, what did you get uh, as part of new this week? New this week? Um, not a damn thing. I did pre-order some stuff, but they're not out till later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I pre-ordered the Player Arts Kai Final Fantasy VII Remake Tifa and Eris. Mm-hmm. Um, on Big Bad Toy Store, they're a hundred and fifty-four dollars. Yeah. On AmiAmi, they were a hundred twelve. So I pre-ordered them on AmiAmi. Now the shipping is going to be more on AmiAmi, but one, I'll get it way sooner, and two, the shipping's not going to cost me thirty dollars. So yeah. Uh, I'm not that upset about it. Um, yeah, I've but... been ordering Final Fantasy toys from the Square Enix store. And not only are they a month behind Amiami, but they charge easily like double on shipping. Yeah, it's 
I, dude, Ami Ami has like come in so clutch for me lately. Um, unfortunately, nothing's like shipping out of the country, so my stuff is kind of just sitting there. But these in particular don't, um, uh, they don't come out till November and October, I believe. So I got a while anyway. But that's all I got new this week is pre-orders. What about you, Dini? Same, more of the same. Uh, I had a uh, statue I was supposed to get, but that was delayed for obvious reasons. Um, I had the, I can't remember who makes it, but Square Enix has up for pre-order a uh, statue, a diorama statue of Kuja and Zidane from Fantasy Nine in, like, battle. It looks amazing. Um Unfortunately, I guess I'm going to have to wait on that. Uh, that statue is by HQS. Trash Gamer says, Zach, please remove your hat. I want to see those locks. Those locks are only available to be seen on our Collecting Weekly OnlyFans. So. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. You also can um, see Dean on all fours on his couch. Okay, well. Uh, Danny Lee says, what's up, guys? Um, I'm so gonna... from... Oh, I'm oh, sorry. No, um, it's... Uh, Sumi is the Sumi, yes, thank you. Yeah. I couldn't remember, honestly. I was just like, I don't remember. Is the who makes that statue? It's on Big Back Toy Star, it is sold out. But if you want to go take a look at it, noise. Uh, I had an interesting week. I uh, Gare Bear, sweet angel, big fan of uh, his, and uh, him and I came to a deal for an Eric Killmonger. It's the figure back in October, November, December. I really wanted. You did. And I resisted for and and so I even bought the Marvel Legends. Loved the Marvel Legends figure, and uh, the time yeah. I remember came, you were like, you had all this money on your sideshow. You're like, should I get it? Should I do it? And I'm like, I don't know, man. If you want it, I like me some Michael B. Jordan, and um, you know, I got it for such a great deal that I didn't mind. Well, to be fair, I don't mind modifying anything, you know, regardless. But the price was so good. Uh, that I did uh, redo the entire line work on the figure, uh, really toned down those bright gold lines, and then I took my Dremel and I Dremeled out the entire inside of the head sculpt. Uh, actually, it almost caught fire. It was like smoking like crazy from the, the sandpaper bit, uh, chewing into the, the plastic, and uh, I got the head to fit so much better on the body, like you know, at least a half an inch further down. And uh, with the line work touched up, I'm very happy with this. Uh, and so that was a really good pickup. And I also made a deal with another collector for a Rocketeer uh, by Medicom, the 2.0 version. Nice. And, man, that guy's figure was in fantastic condition. Um, surprisingly, the Medicom body is was still intact. But uh, I knew it was only a matter of time before the body was going to um, Deteriorate. disintegrate. So yeah. I put it on a brand new body. Uh, made a diorama stand for it, and hey, that's uh, good. I love it. I used the Disney Elite Krennic, and I gave him a little bit of a neck with some hair, and then I used some of my leather bits to make a strap for the chin. And um, what is this strap? Just tell me when Zach brought up Killmonger. I thought it was one random guy that walked in. Wow. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> I, I, I honestly felt like, and we'll talk about it later in the show in Custom Corner, but. Yesterday was such like, you know, some days when you're hobbying, you you like just fuck everything up. And then every once in a while, everything will go so perfectly right. And I was like out of body experience. Like I was because with this Metacom, I mean, this jacket is prone to flaking. 
and you have to unbutton all these little buttons and not flake the jacket. Not a single one messed up. Everything went perfectly. Uh, I was like a goddamn man possessed putting this thing together. And it only took me like 30 minutes to do the body swap. So uh, really happy with these pickups. And, uh, uh, and those are the new boots that you got? Those are the new boots. So those were from, uh, I'll show them close up a little bit later in the slideshow, but those were from Battle Gear Toys. They are actually leather boots. I thought like, you know, they'd be some shitty pleather. But they're actual leather with real laces, and you have to lace them up yourself, and it was a fucking nightmare. But I got them painted. The paint held really well. Did you get and, one of those uh, little tools that Jason showed? I, you know, it's funny because I've always wondered what that thing was in the sewing kits, but I never sew. And, of course, like I, I've seen dozens of them throughout the years from random sewing kits, and the one time I actually need one, I couldn't find it. So, um, you know, he'll just have to be the way he is, but I was really happy that I picked that figure up. So... Yeah, uh, really, really good pickups, and uh, I think I really like that movie. So, you know, I'm glad to have the Rocketeer in my collection. Let's get into the figure news. So, uh, our good friend Iron Geek 37 uh, put up a pre-order uh, with uh, Rocco for a Shazam figure. Uh, you know him as the guy that's making the Black Manta and the Cyborg figure. And they were able to get enough people interested to start this project. So, Dean, what do you think about this figure, this uh, this sculpt so far? Um, I could not tell from the bubblegum one, but, I mean, that looks... Just, what's his name? Um, the actor? Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi. Yeah. Looks just like him, dude. It's funny. A.K.A. Yeah. Eugene Fitzherbert. Yeah, Eugene Fitzherbert from Tangled. Yeah, so this is going to feature his signature wireless LED light-up feature, lightning effects, and Shazam Throne Diorama base. That's pretty cool. Um, his, his uh, Kevin, Iron Geek 37, his uh, wireless LED effects are fantastic. And uh, he's going to be incorporating those into this uh, display and if you want this figure, hit him up. His uh, Facebook page is Iron Geek 37 And uh, I don't think they've worked out pricing just yet uh, or a formal release date, but they they have the initial prototype head sculpts already 3D printed. So definitely check those guys out if you want to add a Shazam to your collection. Dini, are you a big Shazam fan? Uh, no, but uh, if anyone's interested, uh, I believe Prime 1 also released a one... What was it like a one third or one six scale Shazam? That was really awesome. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna get this figure, but I I like uh, Kevin. I like the way his his builds go. Um, all the pictures that I've seen of all his stuff looks really high quality. So definitely don't mind giving it the plug there. Uh, and on, on other uh, pre order news, uh, kind of a surprising uh, email, but apparently the Mandalorian by Hot Toys, the first edition is arriving early now expected august to november 2020 i don't really recall ever seeing an email this far in advance usually they'll hit you up a few weeks before like hey just a heads up this figure's coming in early uh i've never seen one this early dean can you recall um something like this happening in the past um not off the top of my head um like you said, usually there it's maybe like a month in advance, but yeah. I mean, this is or like a few weeks. Like, hey, I guess it's like five, four or five months. That's a, yeah. right a ways away. Um, I'm super excited. I have mine pre-ordered at Steven, so yeah. um, 
I mean, I'm not super stoked on like, hey, give me all the money up front, so I'll have to make sure I save my pennies. But uh, considering all anyone's gotten lately has been delayed emails, this is a, a welcome surprise. Speaking of delay emails, we have several here. So Qui-Gon Jinn was pushed back from its original release date to July to September of this year. Commander Cody was pushed back September to November. Gamora was pushed back August to October. Black Widow, June to July. And Nebula, October to January. So uh, I imagine there's probably figures that we missed. um, But those are the ones I was able to capture emails for. So uh, quite a few delays. Uh, Nebula seems like she's been delayed for a while um qui-gon cody those were shown a while ago um and of course gamora i mean these are all figures that people are really excited to get especially the hot toys cody uh to see if hot toys can deliver that uh their quality versus sideshows yeah Um, uh, cody i'm you have you do have cody right yeah are you on a payment plan or no i just whenever it pops up we'll just pay it yeah and you still have the sideshow one, right? Did you ever decide what you wanted to do with that? Um, no, I mean, if I get Cody and he's really that much better, I'll probably just dump it, you know, for a hundred bucks. Because I've seen a lot of people looking for the old Cody, though. Like, yeah, it's a great figure. Honestly, it's probably the second best sideshow clone I own. Yeah. Um, Commander Bly is second to none. That thing is fucking amazing. Uh, yeah. Now, I have custom clones that are better, but again, they're custom, so they require work and money. So, yeah, uh, Danny Lee says he thinks the Mud Trooper was delayed as well. And uh, uh, Eric says the cap got delayed October to November 2021. God, oh, damn. I just remembered, you know what I had delayed this week? What's uh, Connor, RK800 and oh, RK900. Yeah um from the game um uh, detroit becoming there's a third party company do you remember who it is oh let me look it up because uh i think it was uh limb toys that's i think it is it's a third party company and they're doing a a figure set of the two from the Mm -hmm. game and um when they popped up yeah it's a uh, limb toys. Yeah, uh, I know that my sister really loves that character, so I was like, "Hey, this is out." And she like pre-ordered it like the same day. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that sucks. This whole Rona thing is. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a bummer, and and obviously, like we want people to be safe, so the delays are just you know, so people aren't in the factories getting sick, but. It's still lame, like either way. Yeah. Yeah, we want our amazing toys. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh let's get into releases. So just one this week, but is the Hulkbuster 2.0, which is the uh Hulkbuster that comes with the jackhammer in the packaging. Uh I've seen one video, it was not in English, so I couldn't tell exactly what was going on, but it seems like the arm swap out is just a few panels and then a few screws you have to take out. Uh, but I'm wondering how they'll adopt that for the uh, standalone Jackhammer release. Uh, but, I mean, it seems to be really good. People are really excited. Uh, I know Jenkin Wong put up uh, several videos on his channel, or is going to be releasing several videos on his channel uh, of this figure. So definitely... Uh, is that one of the giant ones that I've seen before? Yes. Yeah, it's like I 30 love that. inches tall, I think. Wow. Okay, cool. Because Dean, Dean showed me some of these before, probably older versions of that, but 
They are awesome. Yeah, Eric says Limb Toys is also the ones making the Red Dead Arthur Morgan figure, and there's no word on it yet. Is that one of like uh, announced, or is that the one that got canceled? Well, it got quote unquote canceled, but I think it's like, oh, it's canceled, but it's you know okay. not really canceled. Right, cool. Um, we've been hammering this the last few weeks, uh, but it seems like SDCC uh, is on the brink of announcing a, pos- a possible cancellation. Uh, Cosmic Book News says they are evaluating any financial liability that might have with a cancellation. And once they determine that, they'll make a decision. Based on our knowledge of the event, it will be very difficult for them to have the event in July. With other events, you could do things to keep people separate, but Comic-Con is a whole different animal to a massive sea of people. Uh, essentially, they're also uh, making agreements with several uh, hotels in the area. And the quote here is, any cancellation fees or penalties for this year's event may be waived as we work through this challenging process. Comic-Con continues to be a lo- loyal partner and important economic generator for the city of San Diego and has been for over 50 years. And uh, the last quote here says, we understand that many stakeholders rely upon our conventions as a major portion of their yearly income and livelihood, but we are truly in uncharted territory. We do not want to disappoint the people who have saved, planned, and are looking forward to the show this summer. But the primary concern, what is chief among all of our concerns is the health and safety of our attendees and the public as well. Dean, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it's smart. I mean, again it totally sucks i get it like you as just an everyday person you really have to plan in advance to go um and like they said there's a lot of people that um a a big portion of their yearly income is you know relying on the show whether it be um like just like the everyday guy who goes and like buy shit for everyone else and then turns around and sells it or you know maybe somebody that saved all their money to get a booth and they're trying to uh you know make up the cost and sell shit um and even like the hotels in the area that's a huge loss for them but you know at the same time it's like well you want people to die (laughs) No, of course not. So, I mean, I think it's smart to try and postpone it and, you know, but it's like for somebody like that took the time off of work, like they're, they're not going to be able to make that up. So it sucks, but you know, what are you going to do? Deanie, this is your uh, first show um, in a while, but also, you know, since this whole thing has been going on, but uh, obviously San Diego Comic-Con is a big part of geek culture. Uh, it is obviously the biggest convention that we have. What are your thoughts on this potential cancellation? Well, um, I, it's, I'm more optimistic. I'm hoping that by the end of the year, when all of these different conventions are happening, uh, yeah. like for instance, uh, San Japan is usually in September, like beginning of September. Um, they moved Fiesta. yeah to november um i'm i'm really hoping that these conventions still happen and i'm not a huge convention uh person i've been to like three of them before Mm -hmm. uh comic-con when was that dean uh two years ago i think with rain yeah two, two years ago yeah and that was really fun and even as someone for me who's more of like a casual uh convention uh 
fan, it, it would make me kind of sad to see something like this, which brings a lot of happiness to people, just kind of cut short. Um, over today's numbers, um, it's better to be cautious, obviously, and plan for the worst case scenario. But I honestly hope that they don't have to cancel any of these. Yeah. Yeah, because when is this supposed to be? July? Yeah, at the end of July. I mean, how how soon would they have to cancel it? You know what I mean? Like, when's the absolute last day they could cancel it? And I mean, I guess the question is, when's the most respectable time if they're right. going to cancel it? Like, I mean, you, you could the last day you could cancel it would be like the you know Wednesday before before setup. But right. I mean, the most reasonable time. I mean, how off how long do people need? Uh, you know, for example, Rainer when his convention was canceled. Uh, the one he was going to, they kind of put him in a bad spot with work because he had already taken off and he had nothing to do. Right. Um, so, you know. I mean, to be fair, that was like the week when the shit hit the fan. Uh, yeah. And it's a much smaller convention. This is like the convention. The Yeah, it's, it's yeah, what, like 50,000 like people? Yeah, I mean, these are all over the world. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you got companies flying in booths being set up you know maybe a week in advance um i mean this is a whole and and furthermore if if they're going to make the decision to cancel um i certainly hope they wouldn't be you know right here in this first panel that you posted uh these people are worried about the fees incurred from canceling and it's like you know if you're gonna shut down your own event i'm really hope you'd have the decency not to you know charge people for the yeah i mean it kind of seems like right now even if they haven't officially canceled these people are still worried yeah i mean it's kind of concerning from what i was reading it sounded like they're working with even like hotels to like don't charge these people because really that would shoot themselves in the foot yeah that would be bad like it's almost like um, Fiesta down here. Like, uh, or uh, a better example is Austin, Texas on 6th Street. The cops down there, they don't like giving people tickets because it's like, it'll sour the the tourist attraction, right? So it's like, hey, don't give people too many tickets because you want them to come back. It'd be the same thing. Like, man, those fucking assholes charged me a late fee because of the Rona or a cancellation fee. I'm not going back next year. Or like, I'm not gonna fucking re up my thing. So it's like, it would behoove them to just be like, just forgive it. But at the same time, they also need that money. It's like, hey, we put these rooms aside for you. It just fucking sucks all the way around. Like I could see every side of the like every coin. Yeah. Uh I it's just a bad situation. Like in a perfect world this would not have to happen, but right. I think in the interest of of uh the human race of of humanity. Fuck bats, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um let's uh usually we talk about the movie after the break but let's talk about it now because i know you guys are very passionate about this film uh the retro movie for this week was akira so akira is set in dystopian 2019 it tells the story of canada who is a leader of a biker gang whose childhood friend tetsu acquires incredible telekinetic abilities after a motorcycle accident 
eventually threatening an entire military complex amidst chaos and rebellion in the sprawling futuristic metropolis of Neo Tokyo. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an average approval score of 90% based on 48 reviews with an average rating of 7.6 out of 10. The site's critical consensus reads, Akita is strongly bold, uh, bloody and violent, but it's phenomenal animation and sheer kinetic energy helped set the standard for modern anime. I'll let you guys go first since you guys are the ones that brought this movie to our attention. Dude, this movie is from a time period where anime wasn't... It was just entertainment um so like it's just there's almost nothing to compare it to yeah this is one of those movies that's culturally significant and not just for japan it just anywhere it was spread just changed the way people saw animation in general because the only time you ever really saw animation of this quality uh, with hand-painted backgrounds and cells at about 60 frames a second, uh, you know, per uh, keyframe, uh, was Disney. And those were always just these cute kind of magical uh, high-budget films that basically were meant for children. And then all of a sudden, here comes Japan, <laughs> uh, Katsuhiro Otomo with this massive... I don't remember how much it cost. It was millions of dollars that was sunk into this movie. Yeah, it, it's and, roughly one billion uh, in Japanese money, and then that translates to about ten million at the time U.S. dollars. Yeah, no one had ever seen an animation really kind of this gritty, at least not that I'm aware of, because this kind of set the standard for what not only animation could be, but what japanese animators were capable of i think one of and i'm sure dini will agree with me one of the first real things we ever saw on tv that was like what the fuck are we watching (laughs) and i remember very vividly i want to say it was like on showtime no it was on sci-fi channel oh sci-fi it was it was it was the scene where Tetsuo is looking over all the the jars of uh, the Akira. Akira body parts and like the brain and stuff, and Canada uh, comes up and they start fighting, and it was like th- you're talking about we used to watch like I don't know Sailor Moon or just Speed like <laughs> cartoons, so like. You know, we've grown up watching, like she said, animation for children. And then this came on TV and we were just like, what is this? And it wasn't for years afterward that we found out what it was. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, that was back before, like, the internet. So you couldn't just, like, look up, like, hey, what the fuck am I watching? Like, <laughs> um, real quick we have a comment from red wolf he says akira is badass and groundbreaking at the time i remember seeing this in the late 80s and being nine or ten years old it really was magical yeah so this uh, akira had a, a limited theater release and it came out in the u.s a week after the first episode of the simpsons so like this is old it's very old um the manga which came out in 1982 um it, it was almost like game of thrones 
where it was so popular, they just made a movie and the comic didn't finish for like another two years or the manga. Sorry. Um, But it has the benefit of having the same author and director. Um, So to me, it's very cohesive. He's, it's got a lot of shit to cram in a two hour movie but it just works. Like, I don't feel like watching the anime, you're left like wanting more. It's just so perfect. It's such a good movie. So, when I was like 10, um, I had in Akira Toy of uh, Canada on the bike, no idea what brand it was, but I remember I fucking love that thing. And it's been lost to time. And I, I never at that time had seen the movie mm-hmm. and so uh the movie is available by the way for free on tubi uh, <laughs> you can watch it for free just download the app and my first take of the movie is i was super confused <laughs> right. and i i was texting dina as i was watching it and i'm like i'm like maybe 35 40 minutes in and i have no idea what the fuck is going on and you're like, just wait for like five more minutes and you'll like, it'll start to connect plot points. And then it kind of made a little bit of sense. Um, but essentially, it's my understanding that the film is the first half of the first chapter of the manga or the first book of the manga. And then the second half of the film is the last half of the last chapter of the manga. And and they kind of skip over some things and they try to like exposition dump to make things um, kind of fit together. Right. I watched uh, two really good reviews of um, of this film and explanations of the. I mean, obviously it's a story, but it, it's it's synonymous with um, you know post war Japan and and you know I think one of the reviewers made a really good point. It's like you know in United States films we focus on like a threat and preventing that threat, and then Japanese culture they take the stance of that bad thing has already happened and going forward after that because they survived obviously Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, And so once I saw both of those um, reviews, I rewatched the movie and had a little bit more appreciation for it because again, I mean, this isn't a movie you're going to like just watch the first time and just pick up everything. Um, It's, it's certainly a movie that, you know, you need to watch several times um, the ending really reminded me of the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey with the Star Child, you know, entering yeah. another dimension. Um, but I really, um, I think Dean, you have a good point. The animation is beautiful. The opening scene is fantastic. The characters are well written. There's a lot of blood and gore, like a lot. Um, and I, I will say that I really liked it. I didn't love it because, again, I've only seen it twice in one day. So I think it'll grow on me as I watch it more and think about it more. Um, but I'm certainly glad I was able to uh, find some good YouTube reviews and explanations and kind of understand it a little bit more because, you know, a lot of that movie, they're kind of like hints and clues about what's going on. And it's not until you get to a certain point that they kind of blatantly tell you at the end, you know, what's been going on. Um, but I, I did like it. And uh, I know there has been, uh, with this retro review segment, we do try to bring this back to toys. Uh, so, Dean, tell us about some of these toys here. Yeah, so these come out, man, I don't know, 
2000 ish. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have it right here. I could just look on the front. Yeah, 2000, right on the money. I have yeah. it right here. Um, from McFarlane, back when he did, uh, you know, pretty much just like spawn figures, he was he just started coming out with anime figures, which was like the perfect timing. He did Akira, Trigon, Tenshi Muyo. If those were 2000, uh, the figure that I bought was um, Kanata and the bike. It might have been the McFarlane one because you said 2000. So what's that? 20 years ago. So I'd have been eight. So yeah, that probably was the McFarlane that I picked up at KB Toys. Probably. Um, Which is kind of annoying because the fuckers are expensive now. Yeah, this bike <laughs> is like 80 bucks. Yeah, and the one on the right here, this is the uh, Kyoto Mini Q. Uh, it's a blind box figure. And um, that's for a minifigure. What's that? <laughs> that's a good size for a minifigure. Yeah, I think Dean and I might buy a box to try to pick up a few of these bikes. Uh, and then this is a six-scale version here. Oh, God, dude, I wish I could get this. Do you know what company makes this one? Uh, is this Medicom? Yeah, I want to say it's Medicom. Dude, that looks fucking incredible. I've only seen like a handful of people with this in their collection. Mm-hmm. And usually it's like the centerpiece, which, you know, obviously, look at that thing. Um, that is pretty cool. <laughs> I've never seen one for sale or what it would even go for now. But I think one guy just got one in one of the groups. And I think he paid 500 bucks for it. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. I, I, my, if it came with Canada, I would probably spend that money. I don't know if yeah. I would just like, but or if you're willing to hold out, Dean, Prime One is going to make statues eventually. They've been sitting on the license for a couple years, but yeah. uh, they have an Akira license, so this right here would probably be a really slick statue. Yeah, that would probably be a better statue than maybe a figure, but well, and it's Medicom, so that pleather is probably going to be destroyed, and the body's going to be boo boo. Um. Damn, that's also that's pretty good news. Um, yeah, they're typically um, they're one six scale statues. Uh, sometimes they go for like a one fifth scale, depending on the subject. Uh-huh. But um, they've ranged anywhere from a thousand to about fifteen hundred dollars. Well, I don't make that kind of money, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, they got payment plans, so yeah, I usually mean, upwards to uh, twelve months. Yeah, this thing is beautiful. I've I mean, if I could get one, I definitely would. Um, yeah, that, that is slick. I love that. And you get the benefit of it being a figure. It's not stuck to a base, or you could put it wherever you want. It doesn't weigh 1,000 pounds. Um, but, yeah, so, that yeah, Metacom is that one. And then these are Dean's figures here in his collection. Yeah. Very you cool. Gotta, you got it, dust, man. Yeah. He's looking dusty. Yeah, it sets so his arm is, uh, I had to glue his hand back on, like, a decade ago <laughs> you bring it over so we can well not now but we can touch up that paint make it all match oh that's true yeah so that's uh the <laughs> these have been sitting in stores so they're a little dusty but can i have it then if you know if you don't need it no in a storage for someone <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah friend. the canada this canada right here is stuck in that seated position Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, he's got hip joints, and the from the thigh up is rubber over it. Mm-hmm. But like the rubber is like torn a little, so I just leave it alone. Yeah, 
Um, that but, looks pretty cool. Um, and then the one on the back, that's also McFarlane as well. Yeah, that's so that one is the one that came separate. This is this one that we're looking at um, was a box set that came together. You know what I find really great about this uh, figure here is this the sticker that says immigrant on it. Yeah. In the manga, it says citizen. But since they're selling the toy in America, they yeah. switched a sticker, which I think is just kind of funny. Immigrant. Yeah. It's a good point. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad, not bad at all. Yeah, it was a pretty good movie. Lots of cool toys. And uh, like we said, there's a set of uh, different mini Q figures by Kyoto. So uh, lots of options there uh, if you want to pick up some Akira toys and add them to your collection. Uh, Dean, can you give us a sponsor tag for Watto's, please? Yeah, so Watto's Scrapyard is our sponsor. Shout out, Sean. He's in the chat, or he was. Um, probably left. He's like, man, fuck these guys. Yeah, we're not talking about me anymore. Uh, yeah, Walter Scrapyard. So they sell 3D printed replacement parts for your Hasbro, Kenner, Star Wars vehicles, um, panels, missiles, whatever you need for your vehicles. Uh, they also uh, started doing uh, head sculpts in three and three quarter, six inch, and one six scale. Um, so you can make a figure you've always wanted to that nobody else did. Just hit up Sean, give him some reference shots. He could get that done for you, print it to you in a matter of days. Um, just a true professional and a sweet angel. Yep, the sweetest angel that we know. Um, yeah, there he is. He's still in the chest. That never f you guys. <laughs> that is not very nice at all. Uh, let's get into custom corner. So I did talk about my custom Killmonger, and uh, for this custom, uh, I used Tamiya weathering powder to redo the lines. And um, I know there was a lot of uh, backlash when Hot Toys released this figure about the lines being too wide, but I don't think that the lines are that wide. I just think they weren't painted because once I hit these with the weathering powder, it kind of darkens the edge around the lines, and they're really not that thick. Um, I honestly think that once they produce this figure, they're like, man, it's going to be a nightmare to weather these little lines. And they're like, fuck it. Cause it took me almost two hours to do the whole suit. Um, so really easy to do. The Tamiya weathering powder is an oil-based pigment. Uh, it takes like a week to dry, uh, fully. Uh, but in that time you can obviously touch it up or remove it. And, um, I mean, I really like the way it came out. I think the lines were a lot smaller, you know, when I opened the box than I was expecting. Um, and they really weren't that bad looking, uh, but having them toned down uh, more like when he's just standing there in a neutral position, uh, rather than when the suit's fully charged up, I think just looks way better. And of course the lines on the mask are not lit up at all. And uh, usually the, the head and the body would light up at the same time with the kinetic energy charging effect. Uh, so I, I much prefer this look. It just looks a little bit more subtle and uh, such a good figure, man. I, I really like this figure. The Jaguar print is really well done. And, um, you know, it's not a bad figure. Solid, You've often told me that I'm like the Sid from Toy Story. And I did not ever feel that way until uh, this custom here, the Rocketeer. Um, so the original Metacom figure is kind of weird because it's a it's like a head with like up to this point of the neck. Right. And then that's placed on a figure's neck and it, it sleeves over the neck. 
So you have like this really janky plastic neck and then it transitions to like this bottom portion like right here. Mm. And there's a really stark line above the shirt and it really annoyed me. So initially I tried to um, put that whole assembly over an existing neck that I had that didn't work. Um, and I was talking to Seth and he was like, well, a lot of people that do the custom remove the, that thing out of the helmet. They're two separate pieces that are glued together. Uh, so I did that, but then the question is, how do I attach this empty helmet to the body? And so I looked through my parts bin, and uh, Dean, we had picked up a bunch of these Disney Krennic Elites when they were like five bucks, and mm -hmm. I had uh, a spare head. So I took it to the garage, hit it with a quick airbrush flesh mixture that I just kind of whipped up real quick, painted the back of the hair brown, and then uh, I had a DX07 that the um, belt I used for another custom and the DX07 has a lot of leather strips. And so I used a leather strip for the uh, the little button that goes where he kind of keeps the helmet attached to his head. Uh -huh. Super glued that to the chin and then put the helmet over this structure. And I had to kind of dremel off the nose and dremel down the head so it could fit. And it fits perfectly. And I can actually tilt the head and the neck back. And this Krennic is weird because most six-scale head sculpts, they stop about here. Uh, right about here, and there's an adapter that lets you plug into the body. Right. But this Krennic sculpt is actually one piece all the way to the adapter. Right. And so it just plugged right in to that body perfectly. And uh, it's a Krennic body. Well, no, no, no. The body I'm using is a um, what is it? The uh, Lucius Malfoy from. Uh, oh, I thought you said it was the Krennic body. I was like. It's the same. Thing. No, 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 no. But but the Krennic figure uses universal joints, so everything fits with the true type: the feet, the hands, everything. So um, this, you know, when I was doing it, I was like, "This should fit," and then of course it did. But man, I'm super happy with how this turned out. The uh, the leather boots. Uh, did I put a picture? I didn't. Uh, but the boots, um, like I said, they're pure leather. Uh, I don't know if acrylic paint's the best thing to use on leather. But since I'm going to be very gentle with this figure, hit him with the airbrush, sealed them, and they they work perfectly. So uh, very happy with this custom. Um, you know, I, I really couldn't be happier with the way it turned out. And uh, I think I finally earned uh, the Sid nickname that you gave me from Toy Story because I fucking was cutting bits and pieces off of every figure, just smacking them together. And, and it, in the end, it worked. But uh, if anyone ever takes that helmet off, they're going to be in for a Sid second. wasn't a monster. He was a What's that? That Sid wasn't a monster. He was a kit basher. Yeah, he was a kit basher. That's a that's an excellent way to put things. And yeah. at the end, I, you you know, you've always said this, Dean. It's like you know the figures that, that people customize. You know, they look they look really nice, but if you know, there's some crimes that are there, and if you look hard enough, you'll you'll expose some. But fortunately, even if you peek under the helmet, all you see is the chin. It stops at about the lips, the bottom lips. So. That's um, you know, unless you actually go out and remove the helmet, uh, it's not too, too bad. Uh, and, and one more bit of uh, custom corner geeky news. Superman plays Warhammer. I was very impressed. Henry Cavill uh, is a miniature painter, though I will say he needs uh, something to hold his mini because that's a very inefficient way to paint. Yeah, who's taking uh, that picture? Right? I don't know. That's a good point. Who is taking that picture? Um, <laughs> Holding his phone with his mouth like def definitely not Ezra Miller. Um, but oh. uh, yeah, so uh, usually you assemble it partially, and then you paint it, and you put the assembled model on a on something to grab onto. But I thought it was pretty cool. And then I learned that 
Um, Robin Williams played Warhammer as well. He played Eldar, played 40K. So, yeah, Henry Cavill, huge nerd, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I'll have to talk to his people, see if we can get him on the joy of hobbying. Yeah, he um, he was talking <laughs> about gaming the other day. Um, I mean, I guess gaming is such a mainstream thing now, but it's still weird to think like Henry Cavill is like a normal guy. Um, it's good people. Yeah, this is this is cool. It's almost like um, what's that guy's name? Uh, the uh, Epic mealtime guy. I have no idea what his name is. Uh, something Morganson or something. Uh, but he collects hot toys, and he's always posting. He has a whole account dedicated to his toy photography. Do you know Drake collects hot toys? Yeah, Drake too. That was <laughs> yeah. We found a picture of someone posted a picture in one of the groups of Drake's living room, and he had a bunch of hot toys, and they were posed awfully. It was like, my god. Um, it would be kind of cool if we like someone you don't consider like a normal person or like a regular guy. Uh, yeah. Also in the same hobby as you. Um, it's just cool. I, uh, I like it. So it was, a, it was a nice little bit of news. I agree. Dean, let's get into what grinds my gears. Uh, I think you said you want to spend a while on this, yeah. this uh, on your grinds, my gears, but Sunday, uh, Rainer sent us this email from Sideshow. And uh, I was a little offended. Now, we are obviously not the biggest channel in the world, but, uh, you know, people know people in this hobby. Like, you know, I would not be surprised if Sideshow has some person that knows of our show. And to me, this is a little too on the nose. Our colors, our slogan. Um, I I just feel like, you know, we mentioned this on, um, we mentioned this on Ox After Dark uh, with Matt Mangum and you know I kind of said like there's certain radiuses in this hobby you know we have like our color motif and we kind of have like a lock on like the Star Wars vibe I would never you know trade uh, like kind of take another person's established aesthetic and try to use it as my own I would never do like an auxiliary symbol logo or right. um, you know there's just like, you know, four or five different uh, content creators and we've all kind of like worked out our own little niche and that's like, and it works well, you know, like Tuesdays uh, we record PJ records, Wednesdays, six scale savages records, uh, Mondays um, shelter in space records, Friday um, group therapy records. We all kind of have worked out and established our own little niches and, I was really offended by this, Dean. I was really bummed by this. And and you in particular were really mad about this. Yeah, I was up to it. Because um, this isn't the first time we felt that someone from Sideshow had, had heard some of our product and kind of used some ideas that we've had or, or you know, other things. Right. Um, I know you mentioned the How to Be a Poser, where we gave a bunch of posing tips on an episode in like the next week. Sideshow had a posing video using almost all of our tips from PJ. Right. Yeah, so I mean, I think you had said it the other day. Like, you could kind of like knew this week isn't like a groundbreaking slogan. It it is, but you know, but like the fact that our colors are on it, also, it's like uh, guys, come on. 
And I mean, I looked through almost every email that I could find in my inbox and none of them had, you know, our color scheme like this. It was always like a different thing with this segment, with this new this week. Yeah. I'd like an apology sideshow. I'd yeah. like an apology. And, and until then we made our own logo. <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, you know, it's completely original. It's not uh, using any influence from any third parties. Dean, what do you think of my new logo? Dude, I want one in breast aluminum. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh Sean, if you're watching, I did email you the um the SVG file for this. So I'd like uh if you could uh, make me an A logo like this, 3D printed. Uh make me a few of these and uh we can we can send them out to the crew so we can have them for a recording studio. So Sean, let me know if you got that email. I'd love to uh commission a few of these and we can sell our own little icons, Dean, because it is an original idea after all. Right. Tons. But uh, I love this logo. This logo is pretty good, honestly. It's actually really good. Yeah. So, uh, again, completely original, though. Not uh, not taking influence from anyone else. Uh, but Dean, what uh, what's going on here with uh, with this game that you got? Oh my god! Final what? Fantasy VII: The Remake. Sorry, dude. I I warned him. I'm just gonna be quiet for like the next ten minutes and just let you go yeah. off. Okay. So off the bat. It's not even a remake. I don't know why they called it a remake. It's more of a a reimagining. That would be a more appropriate word. Yes. Um, There are story elements and beats that they stick to. And when they stick to them, my God, it's magnificent. Beautiful. There's like a whole maybe like six or seven hour stretch of the game that's just so perfectly executed that it makes the rest of the game frustrating it's like guys you already had the perfect game literally the golden goose and you you killed it you fucking butchered it and put its own head up its ass like (laughs) it's literally honestly one of the most and i hate to say it this way but it's honestly one of the most insulting and disrespectful reimaginings I've ever seen because they didn't sell it as a reimagining. They sold it as a remake uh, and they butchered Hironobu Sakaguchi's story and just made a joke of it. Like I knew there was going to be trouble the second they had writers and directors or whoever they are that worked on Kingdom Hearts because. Kingdom Hearts is probably one of the most confusing shit shows I've ever witnessed in a game. Yeah. Um, now, I have the benefit, and I think maybe Dini will agree with me, we've played the original. We know the story. Um, so, like, I'm not... Th- I, I mean, I am upset. But it's like, I already know the story. So, like... I kind of know where it's already going anyway, but like she said, it's just like, this isn't the, the story you sold. Um, yeah, you said it was going to be a remake, not a complete rewrite that fundamentally changes the story. Like, there's there's things that happen in this world, in real life, that are horrible and sad, and it it fundamentally changes people. And that's what made the original story impactful 
and that's what made it mean something. So when you take some aspects of the story and completely just, oh, that actually didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it ruins the sacrifice. It ruins the, uh, I guess, like the, the moral lesson. And it, I don't know. They just, I can't believe anyone at Square Enix allowed it to get this bad. Yeah. It, it, it felt like, Okay, this is what I told somebody. Oh, sorry, I was reading Jason's comment. He said, so for anyone who has not played the prior game or know the prior story, how do you think they would receive it? It's a really fun game. Yeah, gameplay-wise, it is good. It's a fantastic game. It really is. Mechanically, they didn't screw with the materia too much. The battle system is really good. Um. I have no complaints about the mechanical aspect of the actual game. Um, story-wise, I don't know. It, it's if you con- didn't know the original story, I, I think, honestly, you would just be confused. Yeah. It, there's almost no rhyme or reason to it. It also suffers the same problem I think Final Fantasy IX did, where at the very end of the game... There's just some weird bad guy that comes out of nowhere that it's like, what? what? Yeah, there was no there was no inkling whatsoever that it existed. There was no mention of it. Or there was no hint or whisper that it existed. And that's what happened here. It just like you said, Dean, about Mass Effect. Tell him. I have not been this disappointed in a game since Mass Effect 3. It's like you have this amazing story that you've set up for decades, by the way. Um, and at the one yard line, you just, you don't even fumble the ball. You just turn around and give it to the other team and let them score on you and win the game. Like, it's like, what were you thinking? It was, Manny said, ruined kind of like when the Emperor came back and basically ruined, ruined Vader's story. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> And and he, I'll take it like a step further. Uh, again, going back to Jason's question, uh, you would not know what's going on because it, in without any spoilers, the main character Cloud has these flashbacks there at the end where he's seeing glimpses of the events that unfolded unfolded in the original game, and he doesn't really understand them because he hasn't reached that point in his life yet. So he's seen these glimpses. He doesn't even know what they mean. So how the hell would a new gamer know what is going on? Right. You would have no clue what he's seen or the context of it or what it meant. Like uh, there's no exposition whatsoever. It's just like this weird time travel MacGuffin plot that just, I don't understand it. I don't understand how anyone allowed this to occur. Yeah. So the guy who's kind of in charge of the game was uh, Tetsuya Nomura, who really just designed the characters in the original game. He didn't really partake in the story at all. Um, So for whatever reason, Score Enix was like, yeah, you're in charge of this now. Yeah, because he's been in charge of, let's just say, uh, the the newer Final Fantasies, the Kingdom Hearts games, you know, like it's not like he's this noob who has never 
been able to handle a game. But what I'm saying is yeah, he it, dropped the ball on this. It, it almost feels like when George Lucas was making the prequels and nobody wanted to tell him his ideas were bad. It's like everyone was scared of Tetsuro Nomura at Square Enix. Like, just let him do whatever he wants. And no one said, hey, man, maybe you should just, like, not do that. That's and then the, the story writer here, I pulled up his name because I'm terrible at remembering people's names. Uh, Kazushige Nojima. Uh, he, he's known for writing Fancy 10, 10 2, Advent Children, Crisis Core, and Kingdom Hearts. Which, by the way, <laughs> Crisis Core and Kingdom Hearts are among my least favorite games ever. Uh, yeah, Crisis Core also backtracks a lot on the original story. Um, and Advent Children, I like that movie. It's a good movie. It's fun. Um, but it also, it just like rewrites characters. To kind of give you an idea, way. to kind of give you an idea of how bad this gets. I'd like to uh, guide everyone to go to YouTube at some point in the future. Uh, look up a video by uh, Barry Kramer titled A Good Enough Summary of Kingdom Hearts. It's a three-part series. Each one's probably like 20 to 30 minutes long. Just trying to explain the plot in Kingdom Hearts in a conceivable manner. And it's almost impossible I don't think anyone could do it, not even the writer of the story. And I think that's where they're going with this game. Obviously, this is the first part of maybe Wait, three. So he's going to be in the game? I wouldn't be fucking <laughs> surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Mickey Mouse showed up. Because at this <laughs> point, uh, time travel is like a thing now. Um, okay. People. <laughs> Let me put people... it this way. I played the original game i know the story he's probably even, played it a hundred times <laughs> even at the end of this game i was asking Deanie questions like what the fuck was that like does this mean this is the thing now like if i'm confused as a veteran a new player is gonna be like what the fuck did i just watch who is that and it also the last like 30 minutes of the story ruin a lot of surprise in the later parts of the game. Um, one of the main characters is Aerith. And for the most part, she has no idea how important she is for most of the story. And in this game, she's pretty much clairvoyant and like already knows everything that's about to happen. And it's like, that's not, that's not a thing. So you've already just like ruined this character. Now, that being said, I enjoyed the characters. I don't think there's uh, any character I particularly dislike that is already an established character. Because the game also has the benefit of going deeper into some side characters that really add to the story. DA210 um, says, I enjoyed Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts sucks, dude. Yeah, the you first have, bad, one's good. That's you have it. bad taste in games. Dude, DA needs to join us in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that's my buddy. Talk about that here in a second. Well, Dean, let's bring this back to a collecting. happy place. Back to back to collecting. Okay. You could probably spend a whole podcast yes. just talking yes. about Yes. Okay. So, just so everyone knows, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. 
and I'm not just like a fake fan who picked this game up. I've been collecting Final Fantasy VII figures <laughs> since they came out, literally since they came out. Um, since 1997. Yeah. And I was there when he was my, buying these toys. <laughs> yeah, I remember it vividly. I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story when we get to those pictures, but these are the the Player X Kai Advent Children uh, figures. Got Vincent, Yuffie, Cloud, Zach, uh, Rufus, Sid, Barrett. Where's uh, the uh, Where's the nice little thing I made you? That the picture. I don't think I see it. Oh, it's uh, it's by my kitchen. Wow, I forgot to broke my heart. I'll put it over <laughs> now. No, it's okay. Um, these are the play arts. These are the the middle ground figures <clears throat> that came out. Maybe two thousand five ish. Maybe I don't remember. Um, yeah, so there's Sevroth, Cloud when he was a soldier, uh, a, a Grunt, Zach, Reno, Cloud on, on the real Hardy Daytona. Yes, the original. <laughs> That's such that a beautiful bike, dude. Gorgeous. And that Cloud on the bike is actually a Player Arts Kai from uh, Dissidia, but he was in Player Arts scale. Player Arts Kai's a little bigger. <clears throat> Go to the next slide. Even my fucking tie. Oh, you didn't put it. Oh. I put everything that you sent. No, I sent another one oh, of the original figures. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, if you go to the last one, uh, right there. Uh, at Sephiroth's feet on, on the bottom right, even my fucking tie clip is a buster sword. When I have, when I wear suits, yeah, that's true. Busted sword. That's right here. Dean is the biggest Fantasy Seven uh, fan I know, and we always clash because Nine is my favorite. I'm not even particularly nostalgic about Seven, which is why, uh, I'm surprised about how offended I am by this remake. Yeah, it's... because I really don't. I mean, I love Fantasy Seven. I think that's a fantastic game. It's one of the best ever made. But um, I don't. I didn't have any expectations of this game going in. I was just sort of like, uh, that those Kingdom Hearts people are involved. Probably it could go either way. Um, and it, it just disappointed on every conceivable level, except for the parts where they stuck to the original script. Yeah, when when they stick to it, it's so fantastically done. And I'll say that when they expand on stuff that previously existed, uh, I appreciated that because they actually made it better by adding to stuff that really wasn't ever addressed in the original game, like when they spend more time with Wedge or Biggs or Jesse. Um, so you get a little bit more familiar with them as people. Like Biggs volunteers at a, a an orphanage. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. He's a cool character before, but now he's even cooler because you can see, hey, this guy has a heart and he cares about kids who've been, you know. And but at the exact same time, <clears throat> that makes the later part of the game even worse. But, yeah, in a way, I guess in I can see a that. Really weird way because, um. I mean, it's a light spoiler in the original. Well, I don't want to say it. Don't say it, Dean. Yeah, don't don't spoil um, anything. But I want to hear about Mickey. Don't say it. <laughs> it's just like you give these characters more depth and you care about them more, 
And so when whatever happens, happens, it carries a significant weight. And then they just like fucking backtrack on a bunch of shit. And it's like, but why did you make me give a shit about these characters then? Like, it's so stupid. Like, yeah, it's like they can't commit to a ballsy decision. Yeah. Like they're copying out left and right. It's like, whoa, this thing happened, but oh, now it doesn't happen because it's all fucking sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. It, I don't get it. It's it so frustrating. It's frustrating um, because. Now, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now that this is the first installment. Yeah, but, that's true. Uh, this game is. To Final Fantasy VII, what the last Jedi is to Star Wars, I will say. Oh that. wow! Yeah, it's it, it and that might be changes things. It's like why in ways that are just inconceivable. Just doesn't make any sense. It has no rhyme or reason, and like I said, it's a cop out in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so again, like Dean said, uh, I, I guess we have to be a little bit less like uh critical because it is just the first part of what like maybe three and they might be able to the recover from this yeah because i obviously don't know what the larger picture is but i don't have a lot of hope at this point that it's going to be good yeah so this game uh all told i spent about 34 hours on it <clears throat> in reality how long is this in the original game Seven, eight hours, maybe leaving Midgar. No, no, not at all. Uh, that's like at least big... double, like less than twenty. Oh, okay. if you really take your time, like it's probably less than twenty hours. I it... guess maybe since I've played Pharmacy Seven so much, I could fly through the beginning of the game relatively easily. Yeah, I'd like to kind of take my time with things. And... Um... It's level like, up, I, level so grind. He loves TLJ. He's gonna pick this game up tomorrow. Oh no, he's got Rona. <laughs> the only reason anybody would say that is if they were, their brain was melting. Anyway, well, Dean, let's talk about uh, yeah. Let's move let's on. About live and I could guys. literally keep going. Yeah, my blood pressure's gone up. <laughs> so we did uh, episode one of Live and Let Dice um, about eight days ago, and it was about a four-hour stream. And it was fucking dope. Dean almost died twice. Twice. Actually legit almost died like the second time. Uh, Dini's character was... Um, I like the way you play your character because we just fuck around like kill shit. And you're like, oh, I'm going to investigate this. I'm going to investigate that. And, like, <laughs> I think it's a good to have that person in the group because I feel yeah, like Cody smarter. probably spends a lot of time designing these, these set pieces. And we're just like killing shit and like just going to the next level. Uh, my character was amazing practically saved this whole life. that whole session was fun as hell so this is my character here so yeah. i get the focus here so this is uh my character I painted that myself awesome and then Watto scrapyard printed my hero forge mini in nice. a tiny uh in in resin so that's my hero forge design yeah. And um, this Saturday night, yeah, I need, to hit up I need to hit up Dini to make mine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we have oversized ones. Yeah, I made mine as big as I could and Dean's as well. So I got yeah, my... About... Almost as tall as my head. Um, yeah, that's yeah it's cool. 
So this Saturday, we're going to play again. Our DM was busting so much ass that we bought him a nice little gift, uh, a new microphone, uh, so that we can improve our streams just a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for uh, for this Saturday's episode. We can see what happens. We can, uh, we can definitely... Um, I mean, essentially, this first episode was kind of like a retelling of episode one of The Mandalorian. And then I'm excited to see where he goes from there. Because uh, there are some plot elements that are totally different than The Mandalorian. So he's kind of like picking and choosing from different sources. So um, Jason Nelson says, you guys need to post pics of those characters in the group. Yeah, we can post the pictures. I've from, actually uh, uh, I've actually commissioned a piece of Stolas from uh, one of my friends who is a fantastic artist. Hell so, yeah. Um, I'll I'll send that to you when it's done. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we do need some cool artwork of our characters. Well, Dean's supposed to be doing the artwork for this episode, episode uh, the recap. So, Dean, how is that coming along? I haven't even started. You have till Saturday, and don't uh, don't disappoint. I just don't know what you want me to do. Pick, you just you pick, just draw pick scenes. one moment of each character and um draw that scene. So, for example, like, like you cutting. Dying, Oh yeah, cutting the dude in half. Yeah, that could yeah. be a thing. And then me saving your life, and then Stolas being amazing. And I don't know, just <laughs> flying just around. Draw. Just figure something out, dude. You got this. Me um, trying to stab a, like a goblin that's already wrapped up in a in yeah, exactly. Tarp and missing moments. like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, did we all miss that dude? We like, I think two people missed him. Yeah, while he's flailing around on the floor and then finally someone Sean killed him. says he can't wait for us to be back in the same room and manny says this podcast is too violent <laughs> yeah i got pretty wild i'm so excited dean i got these new violent. fancy Can fancy I dice oh, so excited got these little gold dice here for my oh yeah those are really cool yeah, i got some new dice too dean. Got them for <laughs> hell yeah dude so stay tuned saturday we'll probably do another four-hour stream uh, and then we have the other shows in our network. So we have Small Talk, which I think they're recording this week, Only Fools and Collecting, Creeps Are Us. Big shout out to Manny for being in the chat tonight and for uh, pimping out our new intro, which you've heard the last few episodes. And then, of course, Live and Let Dice recording the Saturday, Wookiee of the Year and the Joy of Hobbying. Uh, so definitely a lot of good content. Uh, you know, even though the world's on shutdown, we, uh, we're we still trying to put out some content for you guys to listen to and to um you know to be entertained because that's that's what we do so yeah, look. what do you got oh those metal no yeah i i didn't know by the time i ordered it i didn't know you were gonna give dean some dice too so oh, oh no that's <laughs> amazon cool. was so slow that he finally got him in the mail hey, no, gold, cool. gold ones are metal though yeah no that's cool um but yeah so um manny uh I don't know. They're saying something about sleeping. I don't understand that. But uh, anyways, uh, that's pretty much it for the show. I mean, you know, it's kind of a slow news week. Lots of things that we were uh, bitching and moaning about. But that's what we do on the show. We, yeah, we critique. We, we bitch. We moan. Uh, again, big shout out to all the people on our network. Big shout out to Manny for being here on the show. Our sponsor, Sean Fear. Uh, Six Scale Scavengers, Brian, Chris, TC. Um, the new Rogue One Six YouTube channel, Matt and uh, Steve. Roy and uh yeah, do you guys have any shout outs you want to give? Just shout out shout out my sister. Shout out to fan favorite Deanie. Yeah. Uh, 
Dini, so you haven't been on in a while. I think we've kind of upgraded a bit since the last time you've been on. Yeah, I think uh, again, <laughs> the last time I was uh, I was on the show, I was discussing uh, discussing uh, statues again, mm-hmm. and that's a really really slow going hobby. I yeah. mean, you're at the mercy of just manufacturing and supply chain and shipping and now you know the pandemic so uh i have three uh berserk statues on pre-order i have griffith that's still delayed i've got uh that's a one six scale i have a a one third scale guts uh, that i finally paid off that i still have to uh (laughs) i still have to uh, receive and then the third one was the uh let's see um we should just do like collecting quarterly statues because it seems like the news is too slow oh yeah the zod the nosferatu zod in apostle form i have nice. him already paid off how heavy is that statue oh uh, he's a f- 147 pounds god damn a gigantic one i think they scaled him to one fifth scale Jesus. Um. So Many, he's huge. Yeah. My God. One hundred forty pounds. Yeah. So, uh, I got yeah, that's him. It's like a, a full size adult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very heavy, and I've been really looking forward to it. But you know, Griffith. Even before this pandemic situation, uh, he's been delayed. I had him on pre order since twenty seventeen. So going on three years now. And it's just one thing after another. So I really don't have a lot of cool statues to, that I've personally bought to share just because it, it's so difficult to get them to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the only toys I've been buying are these. Uh, I have this one here. My uh, Pharmacy 9 uh, Bring Arts figures. I've been ordering all of these, which are super fun. But Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'll talk about those some other time. Dini, if we gave you an SVG, um, could you also make us 3D prints of that little A for that logo? Oh yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah, we have to we have to make all the ones that we can to get them out of the world. <laughs> yeah, I think. I'm just uh, so annoyed that that company stole our slogan and our colors. Like the set tripping man. That is totally set tripping. Well, you know, you know, the imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. That is true. That is true. Yeah. I mean, we're going to do our new segment. Ass kicking. We're going to do a new segment uh, called Let Your Ox Pride Show. We're going to have a show called How to Be, How to Pose instead of How to Be a Poser. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, Manny says the new episode of Creeps Arras is coming. That's what she said. So excited for that. Uh, And uh, again, big shout out to Sean. Sweet angel. What a guy. Yeah, shout out Sean. He's still in the show. What a good guy. All right. Well, you guys have a good week. Um, we will see you next week, uh, barring anything crazy. Worst case, there's always backlogs, but it's been a good week, been a good show, lots of cool pickups. Uh, I'm Zach. I'm Dean. I'm Dini. Catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.